summer of 1972. A burden on my parents' limited incomes, with no jobs or prospects, I was summoned back to Liverpool for my second spell there in a year. This time I was in the city to help my brother Simon make a film. Though in his fourth year as an architectural student, he became obsessed with films. This he lived out through running the university's film society and each week students were treated to an array of classics and experimental films and of course I got let in for free for setting out the chairs or such. The Cabinet of Dr Caligari, Unsheen Andalou, Woman in the Dunes, Metropolis, Shadows, Large Door, Closely Observed Trains, Battleship Potemkin and many, many more. One or two of the silent movies were blessed with a pianist improvising to the action of the movie. Simon's own film, which he was making, concerned an elderly man looking back on his life through the buildings and built environment he inhabited. We shot the film at some amazing locations in Liverpool. A warehouse full of 30-foot-high sugar mountains in the docks, the amazing Walton Tunnel and St Luke's Church, to name but three. St Luke's is a bombed-out church. Its interior was totally destroyed by the Liverpool Blitz of 1941. Just its outer walls stand. In 1972, it hadn't been done up. Shrubs sprouted in neat rows where the pews once stood and the main aisle, though overgrown, was matted with grass. All this was set against the black walls of the church. Simon had employed an actor drawn from the Unity Theatre and a fellow student doubled as cameraman and editor. Meticulous doesn't cover the film direction. In one scene of a few seconds, a handkerchief was folded over 20 times before the director was satisfied. For the tunnel shot, Simon put the camera on rail tracks and one of my jobs was to wheel the cameraman and camera at a set, steady speed, for there were many takes as camera shake had to be minimised. Both Simon and his editor used the film as their portfolio to enter the National Television and Film School, which had just been set up in Beaconsfield in 1971. The film itself went on to feature at the Berlin Film Festival the following year. I cannot now remember if it was 1971 or 1972 when I saw Thunderclap Newman perform Something in the air at a John Peel gig at the Everyman. Change needed to happen. This song had a surprising lyric as the instigators were asked to hand out the arms and at the ammo. The wistful melody gave way to the stark barrel piano at the defining bridge of the song, which I found moving indeed. Three weeks at number one in 1969. It's a song which takes me back to those times still. Even in 1972, unemployment was massive in Liverpool, unlike much of the rest of England. Renshaw Hall, Benson Street, was the labour exchange where we signed on. 
There was a quadrangle in the central hall. Here staff sat behind grills in front of their counters and each counter had letters, A to Z, hung above them. Here the unemployed queued up to sign on at the counter bearing the first letter of their surnames, me included. Leading to the hall was a long corridor. On my first visit, a blind man was carefully stretching out his fingers along the wall to find his way to the counters. Other men, young and old, leaned together against opposing walls, ready to pounce on fag butts thrown on the floor. One day, with just ten pence in my pocket, I wandered the streets to find something filling for tea. At the grocer's, I noticed a huge bag of greens for sale, just ten p. I took my fine back to my flat and boiled it up. Of course, it was Wallacey spinach, and it had boiled down from a huge potful to a mouthful. I should have taken my ten pence to the second-hand bread shop in Everton. One day, I had an interview for a job and borrowed a tie. The sex workers hung about the corner of our street by a small church. Never before had any of them spoken to me, but wearing a tie, I was flavour of the month. I hurried on by and did not hear their propositions trailing after me. After the interview, I took off the tie before walking home. I didn't get the job, and the sex workers took no notice of me, thankfully. Yet there is always light. Birkenhead Market, where I bought pikelets and potato cakes for the first time, was accessed using the famous Woodside Ferry. No, I won't break into song. That market was a real treat. There was also a ferry, which I took, that chugged its way to Liverpool's New Brighton, though fish and chips was the highlight of this Brighton in those days. Hope Street was my favourite street. Look left down the street and there's the huge Anglican Cathedral. Look right and there's the bright newish Catholic Cathedral. In those days it had a nickname that that was derogatory and anti-Irish and I've always referred to the cathedral myself as an upside-down cornetto. Yet Hope wasn't at either end of Hope Street, but in the street itself. Across the road from the Liverpool Royal Philharmonic Hall is the Royal Philharmonic Pub, probably the finest public house in the entire universe, with its huge circular bar leading to rooms and snug alcoves. On a Sunday evening at 7pm, workers would pile in for the last of the weekend's booze. Pints of Guinness and bitter were lined up around the bar, filled up beforehand for the opening time rush. On Hope Street, there was also the wonderful Everyman Theatre, and a few yards away was the always-packed Rainbow Record Store. My brother helped to design and construct its interior. Here were all the heads, the scent of patchouli oil and the smell of cannabis and enough hair to make ladders to the moon. Between 1971 and 1972, 
Some huge clearances of the old back-to-back housing was underway to replace with high-rise. Many of these terraces were superb houses and their clearance didn't invoke hope but despair. In the acres and acres of rubble, the last building to be toppled was the pub. One evening I visited such a pub, Queen's I think, older and younger cloth cap men sat in a corner with their instruments, mostly mandolins rather than banjos I seem to recall. I also remember the seriousness on their faces as they played, proud men never consulted or considered in a world pitched against their conservation. For myself, I became incredibly homesick. There didn't seem to be a poetry scene I could be part of in Liverpool, and I felt anonymous. Yet, if I was to go home to Suffolk, I needed a plan to get my life moving. In Liverpool, I forged such a plan. 